You're listening to Leaders in Payments and Fintech, a podcast brought to you by Edgar Dunn & Company, the global payments and fintech consulting firm. Coming to you from the City of London, I'm your host, Martin Kodrish. And in this series, I'm meeting with leaders and practitioners across the industry to find out what it takes to bridge the gap between strategy and execution. My central question is, how can we commercialize and bring the benefits of ever deeper new technology to market in what continues to be a highly regulated industry? If you enjoy these interviews, please do subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your podcast platform of choice. So enough of the intro, let's get straight into today's episode. This week, we meet with Caleb Avery, founder of Tilled, which is a US-based payfac-as-a-service provider. The company enables its customers to enjoy all the benefits of a fully registered payment facilitator program without the upfront cost, hassle, or liability. This model allows companies like software vendors, marketplaces, and SaaS providers to generate new revenue from accepting credit cards. In our conversation, we cover Caleb's startup journey and discuss the state of the payments market and the increasing growth of the payfac model and how it differs in the US and Europe. We discuss a lot besides, so I do hope you enjoy this conversation with Caleb. Welcome to the Edgar Dunn podcast, Caleb. It's great to see you. A lot to talk about today, so let's dive into it. But before we do, maybe you can just start off with a personal introduction to yourself and, and just very briefly on, on, on the company Teal that you started, and then we'll go into the detail later on. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm Caleb Avery. I'm the, the founder and CEO here at Tilled. And I started my career in the payment space at 19 years old uh, by co-founding an ISO. So I started out going door to door, selling payment processing services to small businesses in Greenville, South Carolina. And over time, we started to scale up that first ISO business. And between that first company and Tilled, I started doing a lot of consulting and angel investing, primarily in software businesses. And a lot of them were vertical software platforms that were really just starting to think about the idea of monetizing their payments. So a lot of this consulting work started eight, nine years ago before the idea of monetizing payments was really as mainstream, you know, as it is today. And so for a lot of those software companies, they were working with folks like Stripe or, or Braintree. And it was really through those consulting experiences that I started to see this opportunity for what became Tilled, what became, you know, Payfac as a service. And, and I had one, you know, particular uh, experience where one of the companies thought that they wanted to go become a payfac. And that was really my introduction, you know, into the payfac ecosystem where I started to see the challenges. And that inspired me to to create, you know, the turnkey white label payments infrastructure solution that is tilled. Okay, great. Tilled. Fantastic. So wh- when did you when did when was this sort of in terms of time frame? Just give me a frame of reference. So you know, the consulting work started probably about nine years ago mm. and then actually started tilled. It'll be five years in, in January. And so, you know, January of 2019 actually formally started building out what became tilled. And so there was several years where I was doing the consulting and the and the angel investing, just seeing the same problem, you know, over and over again. And and frankly, convincing myself <laughs> that there was a business opportunity that that was worth, you know, me taking the the time and money and energy you know, to, to go build. Okay. So that's great background. Let's take a tiny step back. And for the, for the sake of audience who may not know what PayFAC as a service is, let's just slowly walk through a definition and try and explain what it is. Yeah. Well, let's, let's start with PayFAC as a service, and then we can get into the, the crazy world of, of PayFAC as a service. But PayFAC uh, in general, you know, first off stands for payment facilitation. 
And when you think about the, the PayFAC model, at least in my mind, one of the key differences between the PayFAC model and that traditional uh, ISO model where, where I started my career comes down to some of the card brand rules and regulations. So if you think, you know, Visa, MasterCard, Discover, American Express, you know, band together, and they create a lot of the, the rules and regulations for the industry, and they establish a lot of the guidelines for the underwriting processes that have to take place for a small business owner to accept credit card payments at their business. And in that traditional ISO model, each small business owner is getting their own merchant ID, their own merchant account, and they have to go through a very thorough vetting process in order to get their merchant account created. And so, you know, still in, in the modern times that we live in, you're still seeing PDF applications, you know, with the bank's logos printed on them, you're collecting voided checks and driver's license and previous processing statements and a lot of supporting documentation. And oftentimes it's still a very manual process with folks keying in data and manually, you know, reviewing these applications. And so that's kind of where the the industry started, you know, was this kind of ISO model and the, the PayFAC or payment facilitator model has really been made famous by folks like Stripe, Square, Braintree, Toast. Those are some of the more famous examples of payment facilitators. And that PayFAC model is really characterized by this master merchant, sub-merchant relationship. And so the payment facilitator goes through a very extensive vetting process with the banks, the acquirers, the card brands to get registered as what's considered this, this PayFAC or master merchant. And what that ultimately allows them to do is to have a lot more control over that onboarding and underwriting experience for the sub-merchants that are coming on underneath them. And so that's why you know, platforms like Stripe and Square are characterized by this idea of this instant digital, you know, onboarding process. Yeah. And so there's a ton of advantages to the payment facilitator model. But as I learned during a lot of, you know, my consulting engagements with folks that were considering the PayFAC model, the real downside is the process to go become a PayFAC. And yeah. so traditionally, that was a two-year multi-million dollar process. And you can imagine your average, you know, software company doesn't want to spend two years and millions of dollars on something that's not core, you know, to, to their business. And so the, the idea of PayFact as a service, for me, the original hypothesis before it was called Till, before we came up with the term PayFact as a service, I had this idea, you know, what would have to be true for a vertical software company to leverage the benefits of the PayFact model, but to go live in one week. And, you know, five years ago, that's what we set out, you know, to, to build. And we, we haven't quite achieved the, the one week vision, you know, on average, but we're pretty darn close. So, you know, this year we've launched dozens of vertical software businesses onto our platform and we're averaging about a nine day integration. And so we really have come very close, you know, to that original idea of this turnkey white labeled solution that allows software platforms to get the benefits of the PayFAC model without actually having to go through the process to go become a PayFAC themselves. Mm. And talk to me about the, the actual benefits. I mean, if I imagine I'm a, a vertical software vendor, you know, why would I want to become a, a PayFAC? And what are the sort of tangible benefits for me as a business, which you just previously said might not be my core business, right? So why would I want to get involved in this business? Yeah. So if you think about, you know, a vertical software platform, let, let's take you know, a, a nonprofit, you know, donation management platform. So yep. that, that donation management platform is onboarding, you know, nonprofits, churches, you know, schools, et cetera, to help manage, you know, the, the donation, you know, process for, for those clients. And if that software platform leverages a company like Stripe, they are getting, 
great technology, easy to implement APIs. They're getting that instant digital onboarding experience for you know all the nonprofits underneath them. But there's a couple of major drawbacks. You know, one, Stripe's branding is front and center, not your platform. And for a lot of vertical software businesses, they really want to own that relationship with their customer. And if you've got, you know, powered by Stripe on the the payment experience, the onboarding experience everywhere, you know, in the the reporting journey, if that customer has a question, they're probably going to call Stripe because mm-hmm. that's what's, you know, top of mind. And so that's that's a major drawback. And then from an economics perspective, typically Stripe is maintaining all or most of the economics on every payment that's processed through the platform. And when you look at some of the scaled examples, Shopify, Toast, MindBody of of large-scale software companies that have done integrated or embedded payments well, a lot of those companies actually make more money on payments than they do on their core SaaS software model. And so for Tilled, with Payfac as a service, we really are targeting mid-market, lower enterprise software businesses that want to transition off of a Stripe or a Braintree because they want to own the customer experience. They want to you know, brand the experience for their clients. They want to generate revenue on all of the payments flowing through their platform, but they're nowhere near the size and scale that it actually pencils out for them to become a registered Payfac themselves. And so mm-hmm. we're really bridging you know, that gap within the, the Payfac ecosystem between the managed Payfac providers like a Stripe and then the kind of go become your own payfac you know model for for larger enterprise clients. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I mean about so talk me through the sort of the growth journey of Tilda or you know, the, the the current state of of your company and yeah you know, how it's grown. Yeah, so you know started out January of 2019 and a, a very long road to to get uh, in market. You know what what we're building they're they're just incredible modes from a technology perspective, from a regulatory perspective, from a legal perspective to get mm-hmm. all of the the kind of proverbial ducks in a row to, to be able to to launch, you know, the the business. And so it took us several years before we were actually live, you know, in market uh, with the the product. And we were fortunate to be able to raise uh, a couple of rounds of funding before we'd actually really launched, you know, the the platform to to be able to fund the the build out you know, of the the business. And since then, we've raised uh, several more rounds of funding to help scale up, you know, the platform. So in total, we've raised about 34 million of, of outside capital across uh, four different funding rounds uh, over the years. And, you know, since we've launched, uh, we've partnered with in total about 250 partners between kind of ISOs and and vertical software, you know, businesses. And so for for us, there's kind of two parts to to our model. We've got our referral channel, which is typically made up of kind of ISOs, payments consultants, folks from the traditional payments landscape that are helping bring you know ISVs and vertical software companies to tilt. And then we've got our our direct model bringing in you know ISVs you know into the business. But for us, you know when. When COVID started, I think we were four employees and, you know, sitting here today, almost 50, you know, employees, you know, in the, in the business. And so, you know, we, we've certainly, you know, scaled up quite a bit, you know, over the the last couple of years. And so far this year, we've been maintaining 30 plus percent month over month, you know, growth metrics in the business. And so this year in particular, as where we've really started to see that scale starting to hit in the business where, you know, our model, our growth is really predicated on the growth of the underlying software companies 
that leverage our infrastructure. And it starts to become exponential as we continue to add more and more and more, you know, vertical software platforms, you know, into the business where it's not just one big partner that's scaling up with Tilled. You know, we've got, you know, 50 plus, you know, software businesses that every single month are adding kind of material numbers, you know, of, of merchants, you know, onto the, the platform. And so, you know, for us, it's been a really interesting you know, journey over the last couple of years. And I feel like as the venture market has tightened over the last year, yeah. it's actually created a lot of tailwinds for us. And so if you think about the, you know, founder or the investors in that vertical software company, that's our core, you know, ICP for a lot of these businesses, it's gotten harder to sell their core, you know, SaaS, you know, solution out to, to SMBs as they've kind of tightened up you know, their purse strings. And so a lot of these companies are trying to figure out how do we generate more revenue from existing customers and how do we generate more revenue from every single new customer that we're bringing onto the platform. And from an embedded fintech perspective, embedded payments is typically the first, you know, second act, you know, from a product perspective that a lot of these vertical software platforms, you know, think about. And so we've really been in an incredible position to help a lot of you know our customers scale into you know the valuations uh, that they need and scale into the metrics required for them you know to to go raise their next rounds of funding. So it's been it's been a really interesting year for us just trying to keep up with you know all of the interest that we've had. I'm personally quite interested in the um, process optimization, right, and automating processes. So uh, it's a lot of work we do. So particularly KYC and onboarding, like you mentioned, going from a manual to a more automated digital service. Can you give me a flavor of you know, what level of automation you've managed to achieve or, or to what extent you've removed those manual steps uh, that you mentioned? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the, the way that I always think about it is like, what, what's the happy path and then how do you deal with, right. with exceptions? And for us, you know, we, we talk a lot about maintaining that automated flow in the happy path you know, at, at Tilled. And so for us, we've got a fully digital, you know, merchant application flow. So that's, that's a big part, you know, of the process. If you got a PDF, there, there's kind of limited amounts of, of automation that you can really drive, you know, when you got folks kind of printing out and, you know, writing in and signing, you know, documents. And so, you know, starts with kind of a API and, and digital, you know, boarding experience. And then once that merchant completes, you know, that white labelable digital application flow, we've got all sorts of integrations to, to third-party tools in the back end where we're doing KYC, KYB, OFAC checks, matchless checks, TIN checks, bank verification via Plaid. We've got all, all this technology built in you know, to our application process where if you go the, the happy path and you've entered you know, all of your information incorrectly with, with no typos, uh, that the industry kind of makes sense for, for the ISV that's, that's supporting the business. We have the ability in under three minutes to be able to approve and board, you know, that that merchant application for them to be able to start transacting on Tilled a few minutes after they hit, you know, the submit, you know, button on the the application. And there's just no practical way to do that without automating, you know, that process. And then obviously if if things fail, you know, in that in that automated, you know, flow, okay, we can't verify the bank details or you know, something looks, you know, suspicious on this application, that gets flagged. For a manual review process and goes to our team, you know, to review that application. Uh, but we spend a lot of time thinking about how to maintain that that happy path and how to continue to automate, you know, a higher and higher percentage of the applications uh, that are coming into Tilled. 
And when you mentioned some of the experiences merchants might have had or might continue to have with some incumbent banks, what have you, a very manual process, is that still the case? I mean, are they starting to adopt and introduce automation as well? Or what's the overall landscape look like, would you say? Yeah, I would say it's definitely starting. And right. there are certainly some, you know, ISOs that have modernized you know, their, you know, application flows and created, you know, digital application experiences. But but on average, there's still a lot of manual processes involved. And, you know, realistically, the the amount of kind of underwriting and due diligence that you have to do under kind of the ISO, you know, model versus the, the PayFAP model, there there are differences, you know, from a from a regulatory, you know, perspective. But we have certainly seen some ISOs you know, modernizing their stacks. I think the the challenge for a lot of the legacy acquirers has been necessarily less on the merchant onboarding side, but more on the the initial gateway integration for the the software company or ISV, you know, coming to the table where, you know, if you look at some of the traditional kind of top five acquirers, not to throw throw them under the bus, but you know, you you know what we're talking about, you know, their average integrations are probably, you know, somewhere between six to nine months. For a software company to complete a full integration, you know, into their platform versus you know sub two weeks, I tilled, and so there's a there's a pretty massive order of magnitude difference in the technology experience that the software companies are getting, you know, from the the legacy acquirers and from partnering with a modern you know fintech infrastructure solution like tilled. Even if those guys have created a somewhat more streamlined merchant onboarding experience it's still hard to say that they've kind of modernized, you know, the, the stack. And you, your own um, acquiring partners, do, do you have, I mean, is it multiple or what's your, what's, we what's, have multiple. The, what's the strategy yeah, so, I mean, there? So for, for us, you know, we, we operate, you know, one in the, in the US and, and Canada. So we've got a couple different regions, you know, that, that we operate in. And then when I think about, you know, our acquiring relationships, you know, one, there's just the general kind of diversification. It's better to have, you know, more than one partner, but really the primary advantage is different feature functionality. So different acquirers are better at different types, you know, of business. They have different card present solutions. They have different, you know, e-com features. They've different, you know, mm. acquirers plus sponsor banks have different funding windows and batch times available. And so for us, it's really the diversity of the customer base that we have necessitates us having multiple options available, you know, for for our clients. So what that mm. nonprofit donation management platform needs is different than a golf course management platform, is different than a dental software platform, is different than a B2B ERP platform, different than a property management uh, platform. And so for for us, having multiple sponsor banks and multiple acquirers is really a necessity for us to be able to offer the right solution to not not every customer that comes in the door, but most of the customers, you know, that, that come to Tilled, you know, we want to have, you know, a proper solution for them. And is there a degree of orchestration that you offer between the routine transactions to acquirers to optimize? Not, not today. We do have some ISVs that have merchants on uh, both platforms, but we're not, we're not doing that at the individual merchant level, boarding them on, on multiple acquirers. It's really, you know, for some of our ISV partners, they may have a part of their business that's unattended kiosks and a part of it's that's online e-com, you know, transactions. And, and that might necessitate, you know, different acquiring relationships just based on product functionality. In terms of sort of just starting to wrap up, let's talk, talk about the future 
of, yeah. of PFAC as a, as a service or the industry in general? I mean, what, what do you think of the kind of headwinds and tailwinds that the, the payments industry are facing, is facing currently in, in the US and elsewhere? Yeah, I'd say kind of two, two things in particular that, that come to mind. I think right now, you know, when you look at the, the PFAC model in, in general, over the last couple of years, uh, there was this big push for later stage growth equity, private equity investors pushing a lot of their portfolio companies to go become registered payment facilitators. So, you know, mm. 2019 to 2022 being this this kind of golden window where you saw tons and tons of new payment facilitators, you know, entering the market. And I feel like this year and my prediction over the next couple of years is that you're going to see a, a pretty big pullback from, you're, you already are, but you're going to see a continued pullback from a lot of these later stage, you know, companies and investors really questioning whether becoming a fully registered payfac right now is the right strategy, you know, for their business. And so the the kind of flip side of that is that you've got a lot of these traditional acquirers that are seeing their growth slowing. The traditional mm -hmm. ISO agent distribution model is getting more competitive. It's getting harder to sell because you're seeing a higher percentage of SMBs that want integrated payments. They want vertical software systems. They don't want just a, a standalone terminal you know, to process their payments. And so we're starting to see a lot of interest from the legacy acquirers looking to white label our platform to get into the PayFAC as a service you know, game. And so my expectation is that you're going to see more and more of the traditional legacy acquirers pushing into this ISV software-led, you know, payments ecosystem, either trying to build, buy, or partner, you know, with folks like uh, Attilde to get more competitive in this ecosystem, because the way that they've been approaching this segment as kind of an afterthought in their distribution model is not going to be a, a very good strategy, you know, especially five years, you know, from now when software-led payments becomes the dominant way that SMBs are acquiring payment processing, especially here in the US. Yeah, it kind of aligns with what we're observing in terms of the, the white labeling. So the legacy mm -hmm. acquirers white labeling more modern tech stack companies. So seeing that certainly across orchestration platforms, mm -hmm. which are definitely sort of a feature of the, the landscape, as well as other value added services, back office reconciliation services also being white labeled. So that's, that seems to be quite an important trend that I think that you correctly identified there. Let's just talk briefly about the sort of geographic footprint of TIL. Is it across the U available across the US? So we're currently live in the US and Canada. So we've yeah. got kind of full, full features across, you know, those two markets, card present, card not present. We also have, you know, direct debit. So ACH in, in the US, EFT in Canada. And, you know, having a lot of conversations with ISVs in the, in the European markets, there's obviously a lot fewer options for for software platforms you know in in europe but the, it's the, also the, the, the european market ecosystem. i suppose is less vertically integrated right so it's more there were horizontal plays would that is that is that what you're seeing there's a lot more complexity in that ecosystem especially with a lot of, of countries that have you know very specialized and, and in some cases dominant forms of, of kind of alternate you know payment methods so looking yep. at like an ideal you know, in the, in the Netherlands. And so, you know, here in the U S if you've got Apple pay, you're, you're kind of good, you know, yeah. from, from a, an alternate, you know, payment method perspective, you know, may, maybe ACH. Uh, but when you start getting into the, the European market, you've got more complexity from a, a regulatory perspective with, with Brexit and now having kind of the UK, you know, stood off from, from the EU, 
And then you've got a lot of these localized uh, payment methods. And then you've got the the challenges from a, a language, you know, perspective. So it definitely presents, you know, some some more unique, you know, challenges, whereas U.S. And, and even really expanding into Canada is a much, much easier proposition than, than kind of making the jump across the pond. We obviously see a lot of um, fintechs deciding where to expand or, or payment companies where to expand coming out of the U.K. or elsewhere. And they you know, tend to default to the U.S. It is such an mm-hmm. enormous market and, and single uh, geography and, and language obviously is a lot easier um, than perhaps trying to, to expand into mainland Europe, even though that might be geographically closer. And that's where we're actually seeing a lot of the opportunities is, you know, companies that are based in, you know, Europe, UK, Ireland coming to us for their US or Canadian expansions. And so we've got several customers that are leveraging us, you know, in the North American markets and are saying, hey, well, we would love to, to leverage you you know, in Europe or, or UK. And so th- those are the conversations that we're having with, you know, current partners that are looking to, you know, continue to leverage their, their tilde integration in, in other markets. What's well, so you striking up, part, potentially striking up partnerships with, with, with similar companies in, in Europe? It's definitely one, it's definitely one of the strategies that, that we've considered. I think for, for us, you know, when we look at the, the value add that, that we bring to the table, certainly from a technology perspective, the, the gateway, the APIs, the consoles, you know, the, the white label tools is a, is a major, you know, value add. We also provide a lot of value from a go-to-market support perspective. So helping, you know, train, you know, sales and marketing teams on how to sell, how to market, you know, payments to, to end customers. But we already have, you know, multiple acquiring and multiple partnerships, you know, here in the U.S. and Canada to bring the, the, the business to market. And so we're not taking the kind of Stripe ad yen. We have to build everything, you know, in-house uh, approach. I feel like we want to focus on what we do better than anybody else in the business and then partner with folks that, that you know, do their portion, you know, of the the pie, the, the best in the business. And I think that's the, the way that we can bring the most amount of value with the least amount of friction to our, our clients. Fantastic. Caleb, that's been very interesting. Can we maybe just to wrap up and then some final thoughts? So tell me a bit more about your sort of personal experience. How have you actually done you know, business building is quite an incredible story that what you've achieved over the last, what, four or five years? Any, yeah, what, what kind so, of tips can you share the share with the audience in terms of, you know, succeeding in this space? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the reality is it, it's hard. You know, outside looking in, you know, hey, 30% month over month growth, that that must be, you know, incredible. And, you know, at, at times it is, but but it's also really difficult. And I think for for me, you know, one of the keys has been surrounding myself with the the right people. Uh, and that's a combination of the, the right team, the right investors, the, the right mentors, and just having that support, you know, ecosystem uh, around me, because at times it can be a very lonely journey, you know, as, as the founder, as the, the CEO, there's a lot of pressure that, that kind of uniquely sits, you know, on, on my, you know, shoulders. And so you have to have that, that network around you to help you, you know, one, when you've got great things happening, like this, this rapid growth, you've got to think through fundraising, you got to think through hiring plans, you got to think through the, the strategy, but there's mm-hmm. also so many hurdles and challenges, you know, along the way. And you just have to keep yourself in that, that right mental, you know, space to be able to continue on and, and persevere because the, the winners are the ones that push through, you know, the mm-hmm. challenges, you know, day after day, month after month, year after year. And, you know, we're, we're almost five years in you know, to, to building out the business, which is, I think, a pretty, pretty big milestone just from a kind of per- percentage of time businesses are, are successful when you hit that, 
you know, five-year mark, you know, more, more often than not, you, you tend to, to persevere because you, you've just made it through, you know, this trough, you know, yeah. of, of sorrow. And I think, you know, from a tips perspective, I think earlier on in the journey, I put a lot less emphasis on whether you want to call it kind of mental health or, or work-life balance. I, I was really in more of a kind of sprint, you know, mentality. And the reality yeah. is you can only sprint for so long. And so you really have to to take the time, you know, to to take care of yourself. And it's something that you have to prioritize. No, no one's going to prioritize, you know, your your own sanity, you know, for you. And so I've I've tried to be better, you know, especially over the last year of of just making sure that I have not a lot, but a little bit of time, you know, for for myself to to you know go out and golf or spend time with my kids or what, whatever it is, you know, that's important you know, to you, just draw, draw that line, draw that boundary. And the reality is you will end up being more productive at work. And, and in my, in my opinion, actually accomplish more if you're in the right headspace, the right mindset to, to carry on. Okay, great. All right. So any sort of final thoughts from your side before we wrap up? I mean, I, I think from, from my perspective, you know, if there's any, you know, vertical software platforms or, or ISOs interested in, in getting in, you know, to, to the business that the way that, you know, I, I like to operate, if, if you got questions or, or, you know, want to learn more about the space, you know, I, I've got a history of being a consultant prior to Tilt and, and I do a lot of conversations with, with founders, even if they're never going to partner, you know, with Till just to, to hear them out and, and listen to, you know, the questions that they have, you know, on the ecosystem. So if there's anybody out there that, that wants, you know, to, to chat about, about fundraising, about payments, about, you know, just the, the journey of an entrepreneur, feel free to, to reach out to, to me. LinkedIn's definitely the best place to, to get a hold of, of me. My inbox does get a little a little busy, but I would love to, to chat with any of the entrepreneurs out there that just want to want to talk to another entrepreneur. And if you got payments questions, I, I'm definitely a payments nerd and would love to love to chat payments. Yeah, well, that's typically where I sort of Finishing question, closing question is, you know, how to reach out with my, with the guests. So LinkedIn for you is right. Is that the principal way for the yeah, audience to, I mean, to find you? If you want to learn more about Tilled the business, certainly our website, tilled.com uh, okay. is a great place to, to start. We just revamped the, the website. So go, go give that a uh, look. We've also got a, a blog uh, and content section that's got tons of incredible free content. So if you don't want to talk, you know, to, to me or a salesperson and just want to read you know, more about Payfax as a service or payments in general. We release a ton of great content. And then LinkedIn is certainly a great place to follow, you know, me as well as Tilled, the business and follow along the journey. But I uh, really appreciate you having me on the show today. And thanks for giving the opportunity to share more about, you know, my story and what we're building here at Tilled. Okay. Well, I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you as well. And speak to you again soon. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. To hear more interviews, please do subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your podcast platform of choice. It helps and means a lot. Also, I welcome any questions, ideas, or suggestions, so feel free to make contact and say hello. Reach out to me on LinkedIn or at edgardunn.com. You can send me a message there, or you can email me on martin.coderish at edgardunn.com. I look forward to hearing from you, and I will see you next time.